On this week's episode, Ant-Man and the Wasp go Quantumania. Star Trek sees the end of Picard. And how much is too much Marvel and Star Wars? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe, follow, and do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, The Lakers Fast Break, Vampires, and Vitae, Wizards and Wine with Wild Beyond the Witchlight, everything that we do for you at Pop Culture Cosmos, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Of course, again, Wizards and Wine and Vampires of Vitae on YouTube. Subscribe and like their stuff today. They have a lot of great things that are going on at Vampires of Vitae and also as well, of course, Wizards and Wine. Plus, if you can go ahead and do anything you can to support us at any one of our number of stops, including popculturecosmos.wordpress.com and, of course, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we cover the latest news and trends each and every day right there on Facebook. It is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is the magical mistress of everything. Tabletop <laughs> RPGs. You got to go ahead and check out when she goes ahead and discovers the tarot cards right there for you on TikTok, mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, and wherever you go ahead and check out your tabletop RPGs, it is the mistress behind Wizards and Wine with Wild Beyond the Witchline and Vampires of Ite. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross. And Melinda, great to have you back. Looking forward to some conversations because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is up and running for Phase 5. Yeah, it looks like we're finally into it. And it... It feels like a long time coming, but at the same time, it really hasn't been that long, has it? Well, I mean, at phase four, the last thing was put out was uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which ended phase four. Uh, I got a chance to see it. I know you did. I actually listed it out as part of my list of the MCU that you can catch right now at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Right there, I ranked it, and I'll just say it, it isn't at the top. And it isn't at the bottom, so right. I'll just leave it at that. But when it comes to Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, everybody's talking about it right now, the MCU. This is for I will say this. This has to do better than the previous Ant-Man films as far as monetary-wise because this is the biggest Ant-Man movie yet. And obviously it has ramifications for the Kang multiverse down the line, not only leading into the Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars films down the road, but this is going to kick off Phase 5. Ought to be a big moment for Marvel. It's something with Ant-Man and the Wasp they've really, truly loved over the course of the years, even though it hasn't garnered the, the highest of box office, but the stakes have always been kind of controlled, kind of low comparatively speaking to all the Captain Americas and the Thors and the Iron Mans of the world. So your thoughts on this, how important is it for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, to succeed this time well, around? Yeah, as the uh, the first one out of the gate for Phase 5, it's, I think there's a lot riding on this one, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, you know, plus, you never want to see a movie starring Paul Red to be a dud. <laughs> no, no. I'm, and, I'm and not even ever- sure that that's feasibly possible, honestly. But uh, I do think that this is probably the the right property, I think, to kick off Phase 5. I think that they were smart picking Ant-Man 
Well, I agree with you as far as how important this is. I mean, the other two movies weren't necessarily failures at the box office. They did okay, but compared to their bigger brothers, it seemed like, like, why did you keep going with the Ant-Man storyline? Well, now we know why. I've always uh, you know, said that the Ant-Man storyline has been a favorite of Marvel's internally. And if it did money, $500, $600 million worldwide, which is in and around where it, it has done, then that's just icing on the cake for them. Because they, they internally, I have a feeling that they love Ant-Man and the Wasp and their story probably more than almost any other storyline that they have because of the fact it just it appeals to them as the everyman who's given an opportunity to save the world yeah that makes a ton of sense the same reason why all kids believe they can be spider-man it's because you know the spider-man is covered from head to toe so it doesn't really matter what he looks like underneath that mask he is everybody and i think just gotta go find that radioactive spider somewhere well i mean details cheryl details um but with ant-man yeah it's uh it's for sure that kind of situation and uh it really does uh lend something to uh you know everybody believing that perhaps with just the right tool i too could save the world and, and exactly that. And I think that's why so many people are, will get into this. He's endeared himself. He's actually a standout in both Infinity War and also Avengers Endgame with what went on. And and just really looks like someone that could really do some good things as far as for this movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium, as the Quantumania as they battle against uh, Kang the Conqueror. This version of Kang, which is supposed to be one of the most evil and one of the most despicable, I don't know what kind of chances that means for Ant-Man. I also think that it also means that Kang the Conqueror is going to escape out of whatever realm he's in, this quantum realm and all that, as far as being able to do more damage. Because ultimately, if he, you, know, that's, you don't start and end your Phase 5 all-in-one movie, so I'm assuming this is going to kick off something much larger in scope for Kang the Conqueror, who is getting praised Jonathan Majors left and right for his role. Your thoughts on Kang the Conqueror, and can he out Thanos Thanos? I think that uh, depending on, and this is like for the for the broader um, you know group of people who perhaps haven't read the the comics and stuff, I think that it depends on how this introduction in this movie goes as to whether or not uh, he will feel like a, a credible... Uh, villain the way that Thanos did and one of the biggest things I think that they managed to do with Thanos was in a very strange way make you understand where he was coming from and every once in a while maybe agree with him a little bit I think those are the best kinds of villains um, you know in, in entertainment so it, again I think it just does depend on how they introduce Kang and what kind of uh, stuff he gets up to in this movie oh and there's going to be probably a lot of stuff he's up to in this movie as yeah. the individual controlling the quantum realm and and where does this leave ant-man and the wasp again i have not seen it as of yet it, it just debuted in theaters as we're talking right now so ant-man is an individual that is beloved by many people out there uh growing on people over the course of the years especially after what happened with avengers endgame and infinity war and i'm hoping for a future for him because the fact he's such a beloved character but after facing off against Kang, and ultimately, you know, there will be a, a, probably something that comes out of this, probably not the best for one or more of the characters from Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm assuming that even though that there's definitely a future for Kang, that there might be a future for Ant-Man as well. Yeah, I, I don't think that anything terrible is going to happen to Ant-Man. Unfortunately, I think it will have to do with uh, the other characters involved in the film. Um, I hope that that's not the case because I really want to see where Wasp Pink can go. Um, but uh, yeah, I perhaps uh, some of his, uh, his crew from his thieving days will uh, bear the brunt of this one. I'm not sure. I hope that's not the case. Isn't it strange? I've attached myself to the characters in the Ant-Man franchise more than I thought I had. Um, yeah, exactly. Realize that this exact moment. It's been great, some great stories told. Yeah. A lot of people have missed it because, again, it wasn't the biggest box office hits for both one and two. But I think that with time, people have looked kindly upon it. Obviously, the advent of Disney Plus has been something that you could easily catch on Disney Plus. So 
hopefully Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania can go ahead and do the box office that it needs to and actually become something of a really, really good, good hit for Marvel and for the Ant-Man series because I think it deserves it. I think it's gone under the radar with moviegoers far too long. Comparatively speaking, there's been some mixed stuff that's gone on with the theaters. As we, at least, as, you know, at least we've seen the past couple of years with Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, The Eternals. There's been some mixed results up and down in regards to that. So it would be nice, even though the reviews aren't the greatest in the world, if we can get something that a lot of people would like and a lot of people want to see. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think is this the longest gap that we've had between Marvel movies? I feel like it's been a long time, but I could just be forgetting something. No, no. I think when COVID hit before Black Widow came out, I think right. there, was, there was a period of time where everything got pushed back. And mm. I think that was probably the longest time during this Marvel Cinematic Universe that, that you've seen now. That leads me into a good question here. And once again, it's the PCC Multiverse. It's Melinda Barkhouse-Ross and me, Gerald Glassford. It leads me into a good question because recently, The Hollywood Reporter just published an article on some inside information that they got that Bob Iger, who retook back his place as the head of Disney, is looking to scale down what's going on in Disney+. Plus. As far as all the shows that were mentioned for Disney+, Plus this year there's only two of them at this point in time that are probably going to be sure bets that are going to definitely come out this year and that is secret invasion and loki with what if season two echo and ironheart among others that were supposed to be scheduled for this year maybe being pushed back to 2024 and beyond that to me is I don't know how to say it's concerning. I'm saying it's the sign of the times because that massive amount of quantity of, of content we saw with Netflix and Disney Plus and, and Paramount, which just announced that they got 10 million more subscribers but are still taking hit because of all the merging that they're doing with Showtime and all that, and Amazon Prime, all that massive amount of content we've received it may be curtailed back because of cost, because the world of streaming and the streaming, I guess, rise and bubble that, that you know, we've been experiencing, that's that's about ready. I don't say it's bursting, but it's 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 letting out a little bit of air. The fun with streaming is, is now, you know, not exactly as much as it once was. But your thoughts on this when you hear that there's a possibility of less content on Disney Plus, Marvel and Star Wars related. There might be some good news, but there's also some bad. Yeah, I I mean, maybe, gosh, that's a tough one. Because, you know, you, you see them scaling back maybe on Marvel and Star Wars, but perhaps focusing more on, like, the, the Disney Channel kind of content. But I, I don't I don't hear that in this announcement. I just hear uh, we've got to cut back on content. And it just seems funny that the, your biggest IPs, arguably, are the ones that you're going to cut back on. That just seems uh, counterintuitive. And especially with the, the things that you and I have been talking about, which is they're uh, consistently having new and uh, exciting and dynamic programming on. Uh, which uh, in often cases includes Star Wars and Marvel. So I don't think that we're going to see anytime soon Disney dropping an entire season of a show where, so you can burn through it in one night. Uh, I think they're going to keep up with the uh, once a week uh, new episode stuff dropping. And I think that that means that we're going to see more of the for now Thursdays mean Star Wars and then six weeks after Star Wars ends Thursday now means Marvel and then six weeks after that. You know, I, I think that we're going to go back into that kind of uh, rhythm again with Disney instead of seeing, you know, multiple new shows dropping at once. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. At this point in time, though, as I've told you, my co-host uh, on the Monday end, usually Josh, 
has a lifestyle that's really busy trying to, you know, work and family and all that. So it's really hard for him to keep up with what's going on with Star Wars and and Marvel. And at, after a point in time where there was so much coming out to Disney Plus, he gave up. Yeah. And because he just said it was just too much. Yeah. And I, I said, I can't blame you. I, I cannot blame you. But for someone who does keep up with everything, it's going to be disappointing that you're going to be seeing less because I'm not convinced Disney is going to provide enough quality programming intended for me that is going to recoup or replace that that isn't Marvel and Star Wars. Because we've suggested so many different IPs on this show that you and I would just jump to as far as Tron, as far as uh, you know, Emperor's New Groove, a live action that, or Hercules, a live action that, or just something just in the realm of many of the IPs that they have that they can utilize. They, they are doing a little bit of that, but is it going to be enough to satisfy viewers like you and I? Well, I mean, we do have a pretty voracious app, voracious. Uh, we have a big appetite uh, when it comes when it comes to our content. You know, I, I think that it's just going to be an adjustment for us for a little while, unfortunately. And you know, the money talks, and when money talks, um, unfortunately, uh, some of us have to uh, just deal with the consequences of that conversation. It sounds like that's pretty much the case here. And I mean, like you said, it's it's not like Disney is the only one uh, facing this kind of reality. A lot of the streaming services are are. Um, you know, everybody seems to be putting prices up. Uh, everybody seems to be really evaluating and making sure that the content that they're putting out is the right content to put out. You know, all of that kind of stuff. So it's, I'm not surprised to hear that this is the plan uh, that uh, Bob has for Disney, but it uh, it is still disappointing. It is still disappointing in a way because I, I just recently renewed my Disney Plus and then to hear that just days later, I'm just like, oh, that's yeah. not what I wanted to hear. And that's like, gee, thanks, Bob. <laughs> But I, I understand as far as the production costs involved for something like a Star Wars and Marvel, they are higher than your average sitcom or yeah. like NCIS or FBI related thing. But I don't see them transferring those type of shows in its stead into Disney Plus. So Disney Plus kind of puts themselves into a hole in regards to their programming because of the fact that, how should I say this? It has to be something Disney related. It has to be something that that is based off of one of their existing IPs. It, it can't be something you know always original. It can't be something always maybe a little bit grittier, more real life. It has to be something fantastical. When it comes to Disney and Disney Plus, they leave the real gritty stuff or any you know NSFW stuff or mature audience stuff. They leave that for Hulu, and I think that's again something for someone like me who is making up a good portion of that 150 million subscriber base kind of disappointed. Yeah. I think it's time for them to just pull the pin and merge Disney plus and Hulu. And you can even put your parental lock so they can't get into Hulu without you being there to see what they're watching. There's a lot of ways that uh, you can still keep the control. And we don't even know how long Disney is going to continue on owning Hulu because Bob Iger said last week, he's uh, taking some offers if you're interested. Gerald, I have $20 right now. Do you want to go halfsies? Uh, yeah. I'll, let me see what I can do. Absolutely. <laughs> can you take an IOU? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. But it's just, it's disappointing to see where this, the streaming bubbles. We knew that all these streaming entities getting into the, at the same time, all this content that was being made right around the coronavirus that was being released and, and in 21 and 2022, you knew it had to end at some point in time. Now they're all raising their prices. Paramount Plus is the latest to raise their price. They're all raising their prices. They're giving you less content. Is the streaming bubble about to burst? I think it already has. And I just think that uh, they're just waiting for their Q1 reports to all come in so they can uh, have a look at things and figure out how deeply they have to cut, unfortunately. That's a shame because, again, there's also merging with, like I said, with Paramount and Showtime. Mm -hmm. So even though Paramount gained 10 million subscribers in quarter four, so they're now what, in the 70 million, closing in on 80 million range, they still lost money because of their merger with Showtime. 
I've already told you how much the Warner Brothers Discovery and all that stuff that's going on there, that merger, how much money they're choking on and how many uh, shows and and specials and movies and everything that's been affected by that. And Netflix has even talked about stuff as far as going off. Arrested Development, which they brought back, they're kicking off their channel too here by the end of the month as far as a cost-cutting measure. So the the way we're looking at streaming is going to be ultimately be changing over the course of the next few months and years. I don't know if that means everybody goes back to cable or broadcast television. We'll have to wait and see. I'm not exactly convinced that that's going to be the case. I still think streaming is going to have a large part of the equation. I think the best quality television consistently will still be coming from streaming, but it is going to be a different shape and form of what we're seeing going forward. Yeah, unfortunately, I think they may have to take a page out of conventional television's playbook and uh, they may have to start relying on advertisers a little bit more than they have. I mean, I know, you know, you uh, subscribe at a certain level, you don't have to watch commercials, but for those who subscribe underneath that level, you, you may see more commercials and you may see those commercials a little bit more often. That's pure speculation on my part. I, I don't know that that's part of it. But if if I was uh, one of those streaming companies and I had to look at laying off 7,000 people or finding a way to add, uh, I don't know, um, 30 minutes of commercials in a day, I would be looking to add commercials instead of laying people off. Well, the thing is, the Netflix now has an ad tier. They Disney do, yes. Plus now has an ad tier. Yep. It's funny because I had to do a workaround because I didn't want the ad tier. But it said, oh, you would like to renew your subscription. That's great. This ad tier, this is what we're going to offer you. I had to actually find a workaround so I could go ahead and get the non-ad tier. Really? <laughs> that surprises me. Yeah, it was it was forcing me right there to go ahead and select either the ad tier or the ad tier with Hulu bundle. And I was like, I don't want that. I want the no ads Disney Plus. I will pay the couple extra dollars a month. So wow. it was like I had to find a workaround online in order to get that, but it was kind of weird. But need I digress? Uh, Dr. Mad Studio says, I stopped watching TV regularly 13 years ago, just soaps and reality shows these days in my corner of the world. I just watch whatever I want online or streaming services. And that's the thing. Mm-hmm. If I don't like it, though, with even though I paid for the year, normally, if I'm going on a month-on-month basis, this is a better time to go ahead and watch television because – you have the power now and you have the control. If you want to watch something for a month, you can do that on a certain, like for instance, Star Trek Picard. When Star Trek Picard, all the episodes come out and you want to just binge that at one time, you can go ahead, maybe do it on a seven day trial, a 14 day trial, or just on a month and just end it and move on to another streaming channel. Yeah. And I think that's, honestly, I think that that's what a lot of people do. I don't know anybody that has every single streaming service. Um, there's definitely picks and flavors I think that people go through because there's definitely times where I'm scrolling through Netflix and I'm just like, bro, there's nothing on here. What What's happening here? Uh, and then you, uh, you know, you switch over to like a Hulu or, or something like that and, and you get a, a different uh, take on what they're offering for entertainment. Or on Netflix, like uh, last night, we just started watching uh, Sandman over again. It's a fantastic show, but uh, because you can watch it in two days you're still left waiting for a year before you get a chance to see a new episode of that so uh i think that that's something and i mean gosh but binging episodes is kind of what makes um some of those services so charming to people i think because you can just binge and then walk away when you want to um so yeah i i just think that there's not a lot of people who all the time have all of the services i do think that people jump around quite a bit I'll tell you what, I have to go ahead and do that when I do a rewatch of Severance Mm. just before season two, because I will be hosting a special show with Jeff Revilla from the Stuff I Never Knew Trivia Game Show podcast. He and I are going to be going episode by episode on that, but I'm strictly getting Apple Plus for that time frame. So I hear you. I am now one of those that is going to go ahead and switch based on what's hot and what's not for the most part. So That is the reality now of streaming, but it's better than being locked in for years with cable or satellite like you used to be 
So I think that's actually a better time and a better place, even though the content-wise on streaming is going to get most likely less than what you've been seeing the past couple of years. So be prepared for that. And it's getting a little bit more expensive. At least you have the choice to cancel out and just bail out when you want to. Yeah, absolutely. And now with the the uh, password crackdown that's happening uh, with Netflix, uh, it's definitely putting a damper on uh, <laughs> the way that uh, some people were, you know, sharing accounts. So uh, that that's a whole thing too. Most recent TV series, according to Dr. Matt Studio, that they watched was the BBC's 1981 adaptation of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, created mm. by the late Douglas Adams. I will just say this. I've actually seen bits of that. Excellent. But I've seen the movie. If you get it, ever get a chance out there, the movie, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, is excellent. And I highly recommend it. Dr. Matt Studio still buys DVDs and Blu-rays every now and again. You can get those on the cheap. So you can go to your local thrift store. That's actually also a good way, too. If you're really a movie movie buff, if you really like going to add your films, go to the local Goodwill or thrift stores. You can get some DVDs and Blu-rays really cheap out there right now. Yeah, that's a great alternative to uh, having streaming or cable, I suppose. But you're also going to be behind uh, behind on the gossip around the water cooler at work just in terms of who's watching what right now. You'd definitely be out of that loop for sure. That's true. But as long as you got your smartphone, you can kind of keep up. You yeah, just got to yeah. be into the spoilers, you know. That's just, that's yeah. very true. And the only show, for some strange reason, that I was okay with spoilers for was Game of Thrones. Speaking of Game of Thrones, though, mm. Game of Thrones House of the Dragon actually has met its match for HBO because The Last of Us is now exceeding the ratings, Nielsen-wise, that it just the first report from the first weeks of The Last of Us came out, and it's now exceeding the House of the Dragon right now. That's that's just amazing to me as far as how big that series has got. It is on the you know it's on the tip of everyone's tongue. That everybody's talking about it. So many props to The Last of Us. But before we head to the break, my friend, I want to go ahead and reel it back into Marvel and Star Wars. As again, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania has hit theaters. Hoping for some big returns for that and a finally a justification for Ant-Man and the Wasp as far as box office hits and you know, box office hit makers for the audience out there is that you see a future that's better for streaming for Disney Plus with less Marvel and Star Wars or do you see one that's a little bit worse? I mean, we've voiced our frustration with Disney many times and it sounds like well, not Disney, but Disney Plus. Uh, I think that honestly... Uh, less content is going to hurt them. Okay. But I they think. should hopefully be smart enough and be wise enough to replace it with something maybe a little bit more cost-effective yet entertaining. So I'm I'm hoping to see what they will go ahead and continue to market. Because when you're talking Marvel and Star Wars, they're marketing it to us, not necessarily for the kids, because the kids, there's hours upon hours upon hours. Well, also Melinda as well, if you're talking Emperor's <laughs> New Groove and Hercules, but it's true. Hours upon hours of stuff that they should go ahead and obviously have there for the kids. But for the adults, the adults are the ones who are actually paying for the subscription. So I'm concerned for Disney Plus's future with this type of vision, what they have. And I get it putting and regurgitating Marvel and Star Wars every other month or having them them set up, I can get it for most people out there can be quite consuming and quite taxing and quite exasperating. And I speak from someone who wants to see all that, the more I can get the merrier. But I realize when I take a step back, as long as they have something good to replace it with, I'm okay with a little less Star Wars and Marvel on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess we, we got to deal with what we got to deal with uh, in order to to keep the thing on the rails. So I would much rather have less of than none. Well, I, if Mandalorian graduates to a movie scenario where it's only movie based, that could be a different story. But even if that's the case, Star Wars Andor was absolutely brilliant. I hope you got a, finally a chance to check that out. I still have it, but I have a few hours alone in my house tonight. So maybe tonight's the night. Okay, well, I, that's probably my highest recommendation for late in the year streaming material that you can go ahead and catch. But I'd like to know everyone's thoughts out there on what they think might be the future for Disney Plus with Star Wars and Marvel. 
Do you like less is more with you? Or do you like more with your Marvel and Star Wars? Plus, what are your thoughts on Ant-Man and the uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumadia? Are you really geared up for a new phase five for the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Action Figure Adventure is back with season two, and we're going further than ever before. Checking out more toy stores than ever before and seeing more incredible, iconic, and noteworthy pieces than you could possibly imagine. Once again, Jay grapples with how to build the ultimate action figure auction to support critically and terminally ill kids in need. Along the way, we'll chat about holy grail figures, perfect action figures, and showcase some incredible toy collections. Action Figure Adventure season two. 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Jinx TV Canada. Thanks so much again for watching us and listening to us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross and Gerald Glassford. There's a bloody film that just came out just recently off of another existing Disney IP, which is no longer a Disney IP, kind of, sort of. The original storybook version of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. So I want to hear your thoughts on this it's a low budget horror film it is being played in a vast amount of theaters out there to obviously get the the shock value of seeing winnie the pooh doing something that you're not normally seeing winnie the pooh do in some horror flicks out there so i want to hear your thoughts on this winnie the pooh it's not your traditional winnie the pooh and unfortunately there's no tigger too winnie the pooh is definitely wearing pants in this movie <laughs> No, but okay. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. So the the premise of the movie is uh, that Christopher Robin grows up and leaves Winnie the Pooh and everybody behind him. And he comes back to discover things have, are quite different. Did you ever think that when you were a kid, when you're reading a book and you put the book down, it's almost like all the characters pause and they're just waiting for you to get back so you can pick up the story and they can continue on with their lives. Did you ever think like that? Yes, but it was more on a book that I I didn't like. If it was a book that I didn't like, had to get through, or I was trying to get through it just to finish it, for me, it would be something I could put down and then get back into, and then, like you said, the characters would start from there. If it was a book I was really into, the characters would be fresh in my mind, and I would be places other than near the book, and I would still be thinking about that story. That's when a story really captures me, but like you said, there when you're like, it's a okay book or it's a book that maybe you don't like to read or just have to finish through. Then to me, that's when that happens to me the most. Yeah, but just imagine some of those books that you used to read when you were a kid and imagine going back to those fairy tale worlds and finding them absolutely corrupted and absolutely violent. That's what this movie is about. <laughs> At least to me, that seems to be what this movie is about. I'm not going to see this one. I don't do oh, horror really? movies. Yeah, no, I know it's a surprise. I, I never I knew that. You've only told me this like 582 times since we started <laughs> doing this show together. And you will hear it another 580 times. Okay. Uh, just not a horror person. Um, okay. I have a, an overactive imagination and horror movies just lead me to months of additional anxiety that I don't need. Exactly. I get to uh, yeah. see you in the, in the office, uh, sitting in the chair. Winnie the Pooh. Right. No Tigger 2. Yep. Blood and Honey. Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. But uh, I, I'm interested to see how it does because these, and I'm not, we're not talking about these low budget horror flicks, like these, you know, five, seven, ten million dollar horror flicks that, you know, we, we get actually produced and put out there by, you know, regular film companies. These are the ultra low budget horror flicks we've seen two or three of them pop up over the past year that actually they only need to do two three hundred four hundred thousand and that's a ton of money in profit for them and these movies are making five seven ten fifteen million that's a huge amount of money that's a big win for them so you know even if it only has a good weekend or a good two three day span for that type of movie that might be all it needs. 
Yeah, absolutely. And is it just me or are lower budget horror movies actually scarier? Like, wasn't Paranormal Activity the very first one? Wasn't mm-hmm. that more yeah, of that a low like $30, budget? $30,000, if I remember correctly. Something, something like that. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else is coming to mind? There was another one that Blair Witch. That one was a, a quite a low budget film as yes. well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. So Cloverfield you know, also as well. Yeah, and all of that stuff really, I think, just plays more, well, as much into the horror as it does, like, the the psychological um, stuff uh, that they can make happen with, uh, you know, a good pulley system and a couple of strings of fishing wire. Um, and I think that that really is, uh, you know, an indicator of what uh, creative people can do uh, to scare the bejesus out of you uh, on a very low budget. I'll tell you what, though, it is going to be uh, something to see if it does well at all. It is uh, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Yeah, there you go. All right. I don't see him reaching in there too much for all, you know, that that uh, pot of honey there. because it, Also, uh, can I just say that Blood and Honey sounds like a fantastic title for a vampire novel? Well, there you go. Doesn't Could it, it be yeah. a new adventure yeah. waiting for you right there with the vampires <laughs> yeah. of Vitae? Right. We'll just go ahead and see. But it is Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Please go ahead and let us know your thoughts. If you did get a chance to see it, if you are a horror aficionado, let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Dr. Mad Studio says they're really looking forward to Terry's sci-fi indie film, Offworld. Uh, it's all finished, just waiting for American distributors. Well, I t- will tell you what. Dr. Mad Studio, we wish them, uh, we wish Terry all the best of luck with that and everybody involved with Offworld. Hope it will be a big hit for Terry. And you know, I know it's going to straight to DVD and Blu-ray, which was at one time the kiss of death. But people got to remember over the course of the many years of video rentals and things of that nature, those straight to DVDs, those straight to VHS, and now straight to DVD, Blu-ray, and streaming, that actually has a life and a monetary uh, gain all of its own. Yeah, absolutely it does. And I think that uh, that's uh, very smart for uh, some of the smaller studios to do, like this Blood and Honey movie, for example, right? We could see it in theaters for, let's say, six weeks. That sounds like a pretty decent movie run, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or they could even do it for four weeks, and then you could automatically take it and flip it into streaming and then get all of the eyeballs on it. And that's only going to, you know, raise your top of mind awareness. And then everybody talks about your movie. And then next thing you know, bing, bang, boom, you're making giant, massive movies. The only thing I'm curious about in that movie is, yeah, that's true. But if you tickle (laughs) Winnie the Pooh in this movie, Melinda, if you tickle Winnie the Pooh in mm-hmm. this movie. Does he go <laughs> or does he go <laughs> Yeah, probably a lot closer to number two. And I also feel like uh if you were going to tickle Winnie the Pooh, it's definitely not the Winnie the Pooh that we see in this in this movie. <laughs> Just the trailer was enough. I was like, nope, okay, now I'm not going any more swimming pools, not going on any Airbnbs that are very secluded. Yeah, there's a, a new list of things that I just am not going to do after I watch the trailer. So, Oh, my goodness. But yes, uh, I don't blame you a bit. But before we head on out, my friend, something I know you do want to see, something I know you and I have kind of, kind of uh, mixed words on, <sighs> Star Trek Picard. Mm-hmm. debuted on Paramount Plus, and congratulations to Paramount Plus, which did gain 10 million subscribers, like I mentioned earlier, in the fourth quarter. Although, again, they managed to, you know, with the, I guess, the the, the absorbing of the costs of, of getting Showtime and Paramount together into one entity, that's going to mean a loss financially for them. But still, gaining 10 million subscribers is no easy feat, and with all the stuff that's going on in streaming, it's great to see that Star Trek Picard is going to get a loving ending for this part of the Star Trek Emporium with a lot of these Star Trek Next Generation mainstays a part of this. Although they said not every door will be closed, could this be a good ending for Picard? Because I have not liked and enjoyed my time thoroughly at all with the first two seasons, especially season one. Season two wasn't actually that much better. Actually, I don't think I had it really high on my list either. But yes, your thoughts on hopefully a better ending for Star Trek Picard. 
Well, I th- well, you know, Star Trek Picard is going to wrap up. We knew that it was it was only going to be a handful of seasons. God bless Patrick Stewart for giving us this much more Picard. Thank you, and sir. I, that part favorite. I really like. Yes. Oh my gosh, yeah, just a, an absolute treasure and an absolute gem, and uh, I adore the man. Uh, have for a long time, but uh, hopefully, one of these doors that leaves open is the opportunity for Michael Dorn and his character Worf to go ahead and and start its own series. That would be. Oh my gosh, it would be phenomenal. I've been waiting for a Worf series, I think, since I became a Star Trek fan uh, with my dad back in the day. Uh, so that would be really cool. It would be interesting to, if it was based more on the the Klingon homeworld and we got to see a little bit more of the uh, wild Klingon politics and whether or not that has evolved as time has gone by and, and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, I haven't thought about it at all. It would be kind of cool. No, you haven't at all. <laughs> it's not like you ever cosplayed as a Klingon. No, have definitely didn't do that. Also, no. don't know any songs in Klingon. Definitely. No. Definitely no, not that. No. Not. No, <laughs> no, no. I don't know. It all gets mixed in from one to the other when it comes to the Star Trek universe, especially with Picard. Like I said, very mixed results. Uh, he was an, you know, he died. It became an android. Picard did. They kind of forgot about that in season two. To kind of ignore. It's funny because that first episode in season two was like, you know, that stuff in season one. You just want to just like throw that <laughs> under the rug. Don't really want to deal with it. Don't want to talk about it kind of think it stunk too were you watching tv and thinking critically again gerald (laughs) i'm just telling you what i saw in season two and season two was not very much better because you know oh well and but i think that was just a characteristic of the the coronavirus and the fact that they could only shoot and film around la with a limited amount of individuals so i really think that's where that came into play yeah so i'm not really going to really super bash them there but I'm hoping now that everybody's coming back from the Star Trek TNG universe. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm going to give it another shot. It is the final time we will probably see all these individuals together in a Star Trek realm. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. Yeah, and I believe, I may be wrong on this. I may have, because uh, it's been a minute since I read the article, but I believe there's also characters from Deep Space Nine that show up this season because the same thing that next generation fans have wanted deep space nine fans have wanted uh, a little bit more so they can you know have a, a little bit more Cisco closure side. yeah from what i understand uh there's supposed to be some deep space nine uh characters thrown in the mix this season as well i'd be interested to see i know all they advertise with the tng but technically you know wharf counts as a deep space nine as well yeah so. that's true that's true yeah. that could be he could be the tie-in but the bridge between both um, this is true casts yeah we'll see what happens but it is star trek picard season three i'm hoping for better things i'm hoping it for consistency and i'm hoping for a closure in many ways for the tng characters especially jean-luc picard i'm hoping for that uh, again I, i'm not having the greatest of faith because of the rocky first two seasons I mean, Star Trek Strange New World absolutely blows it away. Absolutely, 100% blows away Star Trek Picard's first two seasons. And it actually even surpasses quite a bit Star Trek Discovery of any of the previous, what, four seasons of Star Trek Discovery. So I'm hoping that they can take the good vibes from Star Trek Strange New Worlds and be able to, by osmosis, transfer that to season three season three of star trek picard well i said it before and i will say it again mediocre star trek even bad star trek is better than no star trek yes and again as i'll tell you in, re- in return it's like cold pizza you that's just right go ahead you grab it and eat it and you gotta love it just yeah. the same so once again it is star trek picard season three what are your thoughts out there are you excited to see a final I guess closure for many of the Star Trek storylines for the next generation, the next generation characters. Are you excited to beam up into Star Trek Picard season three right now? The first episode is there for you. So go ahead and let us know. Pop culture cosmos at yeah.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. 
stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Just a little time remaining on our show and before we head on out, I know you want to go ahead and get nice, nice uh, salt in the wounds there with Hasbro, which is trying to amazingly sell off its E1. It's so funny because with the Dungeons & Dragons movie coming out, the first thing you see is the E1 logo. And then you read the business trade papers and, and websites and you see, oh, we're trying to sell off this E1 because that's how much faith we have in Dungeons & Dragons. But your thoughts, though, on Hasbro, this whole Dungeons & Dragons scenario where they blew it big time, is is finally in the dust in the rearview mirror but reflection time wouldn't you know it hasbro finally emits some fault yeah and not just with DD but also with magic the gathering well they kind of passed the buck really on magic the gathering and, and what they did with uh those cards released so quickly together and then some that uh you can't actually play in game so uh they blamed it on uh the shipping stuff you know all the struggles that everybody was going through exactly with the did supply you my, chain did you hear that sound that was I the sound heard... of my eyes rolling yeah, uh -huh. into into another dimension. Actually, I think I yeah. saw that happened there. Um, but yeah, hurt. so they did kind of pass the buck a little bit on that. It has been a convenient excuse for a lot of companies, I think. Um, but uh, when it came to uh, <laughs> the D and D stuff, I almost got a little bit of the snark uh, that was also in that first post where they were like, "Okay, guys, like we're gonna wait here and we're gonna get your feedback before we do any of this stuff." And do you remember when they were like, some people out there are going to say that they've won, but they haven't. We've both won. Do you remember that particular line in that release? Okay. I kind of got the same feeling out of what I uh, read today. And it was just like, well, you know, those cancellations didn't really do a whole lot for D&D Beyond. I mean, there's 10 million people. And now that we officially own it, you know, we've added too many, 2 million people to that. So uh, those people who canceled their subscriptions on D&D Beyond um, didn't really mean a whole lot. But then they go on to say that they have actually reached out to individuals who did cancel and have spoken to them about why and uh, what they can do to get them back. So Because you suck. And I'll tell you what, it's just so aggravating that that kind of things happen. And, you know, I'll tell you what, Melinda was so mad that she actually got kicked off the air. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, no. Um, but they, I think that what Hasbro is missing is the thing that the community was really truly upset about and it it wasn't about wanting the the game to make more money we get that companies want to make money nobody was upset about that what was upset about what people were upset about was the betrayal of the trust of doing what is right by the community and when you see a leader of a company completely dismiss the community that has built and rebuilt and brought back D&D so many times and they just kind of uh, like brush it away like an eraser, you know, eraser shavings, you just kind of brush it off your paper and blow it off the side of your desk and it's gone. I feel like that's the way that they're looking at the community. Probably reading a little too far into that, to be honest, because it does feel so personal to me. But I think that Hasbro needs to understand that these properties that they're messing with have people who aren't just passionate about it but it becomes a lifestyle it's it's it's, it's a hobby yes but for a lot of people there's professional dms who make money uh you know going to birthday parties and and dming for people there are those third-party creators who are you know filling the void of what uh dungeons and dragons and wizards of the coast isn't putting out itself and without all of those things working in concert together you lose a large aspect of the game and you lose some of that flexibility of the game um so uh, yeah i I was disappointed to read what I had read about what the uh, bosses at Hasbro had to say in their meeting today, but uh, 
you know, it's just part and parcel. And I don't think surprises anybody uh, after what we saw and how we've been seeing them uh, treat people, even people who work at Wizards of the Coast. Uh, it's just not uh, not great. And it's let's just say it's rolling downhill and it's rolling downhill quickly at Wizards of the Coast. So what would you have liked them to say? You know, what would you have liked them to do or say that would probably be a good step as far as for the community going for? Because, you know, obviously they need to continually sell D&D products. There's the movie that's coming out next month, which, you know, this can't help the prospects for that. What would you have liked Hasbro, Wizards of the Coast, to say that would have appeased fans, at least try to say, you know what? Hey, we blew it. We're going to make it better. Yeah. And, and you know what? That would have been great. You know, like, guys, we didn't understand the community when we started this rework of the OGL. Now we've listened to them. We've heard them. And we now realize what is important to the community and us as a business producing this product. We're going to take more of that into account. I'm not saying that they need to make every decision accessible to the community so we can vote on it. That's not what anybody is looking for. We're just looking for something that's a little bit more fair than what they were proposing. I mean, this idea that I could have created a character and they could have just pinched my character off of D&D Beyond and dropped it into one of their big adventure modules and I wouldn't have gotten a credit. I wouldn't have gotten any payment, not even a mention in a book when it was me who created this character. All of that kind of stuff is what really kind of got to people. And just an acknowledgement that that was the incorrect way to do business with the people who love and support this product and have for years, in some cases, most of their lives. So I think that Hasbro needs to uh, do a little bit deeper soul searching, maybe getting a little bit further past their pocketbook. They're not the first company to try and think first about the pocketbook or the shareholders and obviously you have to commit to that because obviously the growth and health of the company relies so much upon it but understanding how you got there in the first place is quite often the key to sustaining and growing yourself in the future making change is not always good for the sake of change yeah and you know the the ability that they have right now is this incredible platform of D&D Beyond where you can go ahead and you can, let's say they create a new uh, background and you can release it immediately and the community will either use it or they won't. And if they don't use it, then you look at why and then you readjust the background and you release it again and it becomes your, your play test market. It's right there. It's a community of people who you know love your product and who are going to uh, stand by it and be by it for as much as possible. So why are you not using them to make sure that the content that you're putting out is the content that people want instead of continuing to give them stuff that, you know, they're just kind of like, meh, but I also, you know, it's D&D, so I'm going to pick it up just in case somebody, a player at my table decides that they want to play a hippo person, for example. So what are your thoughts out there on the walking back of what Hasbro did after the disaster, the PR disaster that they have actually undergone the first part of this year with Dungeons & Dragons. Please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, still wanted to go ahead and talk about a couple things that we're going to set you up for for next week's shows. One of the things I want to talk about now next week, a little bit more detail, is the PSVR 2. So I'm going to actually hold and reserve my thoughts on it, but I'm going to see if I can drop it on the Monday show, if possible, because that's when it comes out, is early next week. If you're able to buy it, which, you know, leading off the PlayStation 5 and the problems and issues there, it's now more controlled. I think you have to buy it directly from Sony. It's not like you could walk into a Best Buy or a Target or a Walmart or if you're overseas, like Dr. Mad Studio, into your local store and go and grab one. It is something I think that's being controlled right now by Sony, out of Sony. Is that a good thing? Every, oh gosh, four or five months, it feels like I get an invitation from Sony to buy a PlayStation 5. It comes in my email and uh, it obviously it's coming through my PlayStation Plus account is how they're they're getting this information to my phone. But I... But PlayStation I 5s are a little easier to get. Things are a little bit better to get. It's now more, the stock is replenishing more and more on PlayStation 5s. Of course, we saw when the PlayStation 5 came out originally, you couldn't get it. 
-hmm. you had to pay over market value. Josh did because he wanted to sell value. So he paid over market value for it, you know, because he got all the bots <laughs> sucking it all up and, and mm -hmm. just reselling it at three or $400 more. I get it. I understand that's why they're controlling the inventory at this point in time. But at 550 is it really worth it? Because that's more expensive than a PlayStation 5. It is. And I, I think it depends on how much you are into the VR stuff. Uh, personally, it doesn't really appeal to me all that much. I know eventually I'm going to have to give in. I'm going to have to do it because I think that's the way that gaming is going. And you don't want to be, you know, the dinosaur who never adapted to the new technology. So eventually it is going to be something that I have to go and, uh, and pick up. But it, it won't be this one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just think that the, the price tag being more expensive than a PlayStation 5 and the fact is that you cannot play the original PlayStation VR games in its current form. You have to rebuy those games in order to play it on PSVR 2 absolutely stinks. Yeah, I agree. And uh, that is really bad. That's a Nintendo-like move. And that's a shout-out against Nintendo there because we know <laughs> you'd like to do that, Nintendo. But I'm not exactly thrilled with that aspect of it. But the VR concept, I've never really endeared myself as far as I've tried VR, never really had fun with VR with sticking helmet because I'm always worried about is this thing fitting right? Is this thing going to do right? Why is this thing waiting on my head? And then you're asking me to work the controls separately or whatnot. I went to CES and I'll tell this story probably for the umpteenth time and I'll probably tell it <laughs> another 5,000 times. Yes. I went to CES about a decade ago and Microsoft, you walked into what they called Luma Room. And it was actually, you know, what VR will hopefully be in the future is you walked in and you were able to interact. It was like connect on steroids. Let's just right. put it that way, where it was, you were interacting and it was the actual entire room was lit up with as far as whatever gaming field was present then. And that's, that to me, I think is the future of VR. And if that's the case and you free the tetheredness, because even if it's wireless, you're still tethered. You're still connected to something. You're still have to go ahead and push buttons and connect cords. And I know that there's a minimum of cords on this PSVR too, but to me, it's still, there's, there's hindrance. And to the majority of gamers and players out there and individuals, that's why this part of VR is never going to take off to the extent that it, it was hopefully going to. Because, again, you the, all the contraptions and the hindrances just by the sheer stuff you have to wear. Yeah, and I think that uh, the, the next push where you don't have that giant piece of headgear uh, is definitely going to be the the part that uh, I think when people start to really buy into it in mass. And I'm surprised that we haven't seen more of your experience. When Melinda can walk into a room or walk into her own room mm -hmm. and then just grab an imaginary sword. Yep. Just like you are right now. No yep. headgear, no controllers, no nothing. And just slay those demons or vampires mm -hmm. per se mm -hmm. that i think is the true future of vr when that happens i think you're going to see the world take it on can you imagine how truly terrifying playing diablo in vr would be oh, it would, oh my you god would love that. it would be so scary just mobs you... of stuff coming at you and the big fat ones that you hit them and they blow up and the little eels come out it would be horrifying are you kidding me i know redfall which is the four-player co-op game we talked about with the vampire Mm -hmm. that kind of intrigued you but still yeah. didn't get you over into the xbox edge in a console form i bet you if it was in that type of environment that would lean you into a microsoft oh maybe maybe but don't worry it's not going to happen anytime yeah soon. yeah I'm, I'm going to bleed ps playstation for a while i'm afraid <laughs> yes absolutely indeed but what are your thoughts out there on the psvr2 do you plan on getting one do you like how it's being controlled by Sony as far as being able to purchase it? Let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Any last thoughts, my friend, before we head on out? Yeah, I mean, we're we're back to the table this coming Sunday for another round of Vampires and Vitae. Right now, we have a group of caitiffs 
who we are trying to get accepted into the city by the Prince of New Bethlehem, which is what New York is now called since the fall of well, a lot of the, anyway, I don't want to get into too much of it. We'll see you on Sunday for the live stream. That's really all that I'm trying to say. And then on Monday night, we uh, get geared up for Wizards and Wine. And uh, we're going to find out what's going to happen when Divot drops out of the roof with his two blades in his hands. And he squares off against one of the members of the Hourglass Coven. Yeah, I know. Nasty indeed. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, we still go ahead and have Demolition Force out there every Monday. So look forward to that as well. And next week, Don Fobbs is going to be back talking TV with me. And there's a lot to talk about, including the end of Yellowstone. How can <laughs> that be? We're going to be talking about that next week on the Pop Culture Cosmos this week. So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassman. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. Thank you for listening. Here's hoping... You have yourself a great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.